very blessed to have been uh, exposed to my father's methodologies, grooming and developing Olympic level boxers. And it's a part of my DNA and it speaks to me every single day. And I'm almost literally holding a torch that was lit a hundred years ago. And my father was the guy that received it. The key element for an athlete and an individual that's aspiring to be anything is they have to get very well connected with their heart. They have to become very authentic to themselves. I am able to do this. I am in the right place and I'm capable of performing to my highest levels of talent and skill. We don't even realize that we're hypnotically reprogramming our brain so that we can actually shoot for the target. It's a reprogramming strategy because when one hears their own voice, especially spoken out loud, we have to realize that we are having a connection with our soul. We're connecting with ourselves at such deep levels and we know how powerful positive words can be. We're not being hunted by saber-toothed tigers anymore. Everything's a perceived threat, but it's not. Make sure you have beautiful talk, speak nicely to yourself. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I am your host, Nikki Baloo, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. I ran into this guest when I saw him deliver an inspirational, powerful speech. He is a TEDx speaker. He's a man full of passion, fire, and energy, and he is someone who helps young men make their soccer dreams come true. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only the legendary Jake Teal. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hey, Nikki. Thanks so much for having me on. That's a quite the remarkable introduction, I must say. Yeah, you bet, brother. You bet. That's what we're known for. I am the Bruce Buffer of the podcast introduction world, brother. Let's get ready to rumble. Boom. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, hey, when you think about Bruce Buffer, that's uh, it's kind of symbolic of the table that I'm sitting at here in this podcast room that I made in my house. And to the left-hand side is a picture of my dad from 1973 with three young future Olympic boxers walking down the stairs, leaving a DC-9, which is 50 years ago, and I was just a young five-year-old kid. And that's what I'm pretty much born into is uh, the pedigree of grooming and developing Olympic-level boxers and very blessed to have been uh, exposed to my father's methodologies. And I think his methodologies are, are always going to withstand the test of time. And, you know, they're built on the premise of, you know, Dr. Albert Bandura's work, which is, you know, the model of self-efficacy and his groundbreaking work when he did his PhD at the University of Iowa back in 1955 was the social learning theory. And it's so unbelievably true you know, how that's impacted me to be able to observe watching my father coach and train future Olympic boxers, future Olympic coaches. My father himself is a member of the coveted Canadian Boxing Hall of Fame, 1939 Canadian welterweight champion. And the backstory, if you want to go back to the beginning, it's getting close to 100 years ago when my father is a 10-year-old boy in Trenton, Ontario, 
My grandparents were only 27 years old and my father lost his parents to an accidental carbon monoxide poisoning. And my dad's ascension from there, from 1927 to 1939, from 10 to 22, folding parachutes at the Trenton Air Force Base, some nights sleeping in barber chairs and folding laundry literally at a Chinese laundromat and sleeping on the cardboard boxes with the soap and the back storage room. And then my father got exposed to some mentors and I appreciate your introduction and my passion. And I come by it very honestly because it's a part of my DNA and it speaks to me every single day. And that's basically who I am in a nutshell. And I'm almost literally holding a torch that was lit a hundred years ago. And my father was the guy that received it. And my father obviously got a light turned on inside of him and he had phenomenal mentors and people that guided and directed him gave him unbelievably valuable advice and my father transcended because statistically when you look at the history there's a thing called the aces you know which are acute childhood events if you look there's a, a list of 10 my father could probably have checked off all 10 my father should have probably statistically been incarcerated probably should have been dead and never ever ever should have fought at the 1939 dominion of canada welterweight championship at the old fabled montreal farm to win the win the national championship. So that's pr pretty much it, Nikki. And that's the fabric that I'm cut from. And I just try, as you, as you alluded earlier in my introduction, and you had the good fortune of seeing me in a cafeteria speaking to a, a, a lot of young kids aspiring to climb to levels that most people will never understand. And, you know, specifically World Cup level, you know, national team level, and, you know, playing in any of the top professional leagues in soccer it's a, it's a pretty remarkable thing. And thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to be here today to be able to share some of that inside story of uh, Jake Teal and his journey. And, and I stand on the shoulders of giants, just like that's all I ever try to do is just model the people that have done it before me. And, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be in here today. My pleasure, man. So Jake, you know, I like what you said uh, in your monologue about how you're holding a torch that was passed on to you. It's interesting because I believe that I'm holding a torch that was passed on to be by my father. And that torch needs to be held high aloft so that people can see it and that it can motivate them, inspire them, magnetize them to take action, to make their dreams come alive. Because essentially what you're doing is you're preparing boys to become men and champions right? Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, the um, steps that that takes. How does one go from being, you know, a boy with a dream to a man with a belt? Hmm. No, that's a, that's a fantastic question. And I just want to, I never had an opportunity to mention it. And you talked about the torch and boys becoming men and becoming champion, both boys and girls. And my father's uh, mission statement that he wrote in 1949 at his coveted Northland Athletic Club, there's a line in there that says a boy, with a, a boy and a girl with a healthy mind and a healthy body will always know that they will have a future. And imagine in 1949, my father is basically talking about things that in the last five years to a decade are now starting, people are realizing the connection between the mind and the body. So if you want to answer that question, you know, as concisely as I possibly can, is the key element for an athlete and an individual that's aspiring to be anything is they have to get 
very well connected with their heart. They have to become very authentic to themselves and they have to pay attention to some of the things that obviously derail us. And an athlete, the simplest thing is learning and helping an athlete to discover the importance of paying attention to their own self-talk and actually taking actions. And at the end of each day, a simple exercise, which seems easy and mundane, very easy to do, very easy not to do, but the benefits are massive, is just at the end of each day is doing a little bit of journaling. And you know better than anybody, Nikki, the work you do. Writing is the thinking part of learning. That's an opportunity for us to have an inner conversation with ourselves. And when we're able to explore that and be honest with ourselves and realize that maybe we weren't speaking too nicely to ourselves today when we made a mistake, and we have the ability because we've been blessed with the choice. You know, in the work of Dr. Maxwell Maltz on the whole concept of psycho-cybernetics and the, you know, automatic success mechanism, we are put here you know, to be a goal-seeking organism, to just shoot for a target. What we need to learn is the strategies. And I think self-talk is one of the foundational things that I really work with with my athletes. It's one of many. I have about 200 metric points that I can measure athletes with based on sports science and system science. But obviously, we don't have enough time and today to go through all of those. But I think self-talk is a foundational, foundational, foundational stone for any young athlete, if they really want to give themselves a competitive advantage to be able to perform on demand and under pressure to their highest levels of talent and skill, regardless of the competitive situation, it's a strategy I know for a fact that is very underutilized, but the profoundness of it is absolutely exponential. You know, I really like what you're saying about self-talk being the foundation for success for any athlete. Why don't you expand on that a bit? Well, an interesting thing is, you know, like we, you know, I'm a coach. I've been a coach. I'm the son of a coach. I've been under the tutelage of my father since the day I was basically born. And my father, if you look at some of his old programs and there's pictures of my dad and you'll see him holding a heavy bag and there'll be a young kid in a position to throw a punch, close pictures, of course, but they put in the journal at the bottom of it, hang on, chum, you got this. The fact that we can actually even speak those words and then, you know, a beautiful blessing. I had an opportunity to do some work back in the, the late 90s and in through the 2000s with a cousin of my family uh, who was aspiring to become an NHL hockey player. And he was coming back from Peterborough after playing the Pete's heading back to Belleville. And bottom line is, you know, there wasn't a whole, whole lot of ice time. And make a long story short, you know, you can get into some of those limiting beliefs and conversations like, am I good enough? Am I fast enough? Why am I not playing on the power play? But in that one moment, you know, in that coaching from a kid who eventually went from major junior eight to the American League and had a 10-year NHL career, played in the Stanley Cup finals in 2012 and lost in six games to the LA Kings and was a 30-goal scorer for the New Jersey Devils. I worked with David on the concept of using positive self-talk to talk himself into knowing that I am able to do this. I am in the right place and I'm capable of performing to my highest levels of talent and skill. And David used that over the course of navigating through major junior A, his overage year, went in the Memorial Cup, then through the American League and then into the NHL. And uh, I used to send him a text every day for an entire NHL season and I only sent him one cue. And I said, go to the blue paint. And then eventually he got tired of that. He says, can you change it up? And then I said, go to your office. And the beautiful thing is just by him 
having that in his mind, talking, I'm going to go to my office, I'm going to go to the blue paint. We don't even realize that we're hypnotically reprogramming our brain so that we can actually shoot for the target. And he wanted to be a goal scorer. So if you're not going to the net, how are you going to be a goal scorer? And that's the, that's, uh, I think that's the best way that I can answer that with many examples that I have, but I'm glad I was able to share that with you. Well, you know, my younger son plays hockey. He's a double A goalie. And how he motivates himself is by being hard on himself. And I just don't get it. I go, listen, man, positive self-talk is the way to go. So I'm going to make sure that he listens to this piece once it comes out. I think it'll be very good for him. I think positive self-talk is foundational. Beating yourself up just takes away your ability to believe in yourself and in your dreams. And I want to say this to everyone listening. If you have a big dream on your heart, whatever it is, be it in sport, be it in business, be it in being of service to mankind, then what you must do is you must believe in yourself. You must believe in the ability that God has given you to succeed. You must believe in the majesty of your dreams because that's what's going to make him come alive. Anything else will not do the trick. You couldn't have said it any better. And I just... Well, when you're talking about your boy and being hard on himself and, you know, just that whole mentality. And I just want to turn it around for your son. Obviously, he's going to listen to this and anybody else who's going to listen to it is just imagine how obnoxious the world perceived Muhammad Ali when he was accelerating through the entire universe in the 60s and into the 70s. He is the embodiment of an individual who self-talked his way into being the mightiest of goats of all time. Like his story is remarkable. His ability to recite and talk about exactly what he's going to do at specific times. And imagine if you move into the new, you know, obviously the Conor McGregor's. Imagine Conor McGregor, man. He literally talked his way into his reality. And I just want to expand to the listeners is that I stumbled upon an exercise a while ago in my personal growth and the power of I am statements. And what I did is I challenged myself and I actually did a thousand day challenge. And I wrote 25 I am's every single day. And I just didn't write them because I can recite them even on this call today because the top 10 are inside of my physiology. And I've basically, as a result, it's a reprogramming strategy because when one hears their own voice, especially spoken out loud, we have to realize that we are having a connection with our soul. We're connecting with ourselves at such deep levels. And we know how powerful positive words can be. Just imagine when you receive praise. Any of us receive praise from the Nikki. Obviously, you and I have a connection because our fathers are obviously monumental in allowing us to be on this podcast and stand in our power. My dad was nothing but a proverbial smiler, jovial guy. If you're getting knocked out and your mouth guard was knocked across the ring, my dad would have a smile and be nothing but words of encouragement. Get your dukes up, kid. Let's go. Get to that one, two, three combination. Let's go. You got it in you. Let's work it. My dad, as a young kid, observing him as a coach, watching his national level fighters, that was the words of Johnny Teal. And I just stand in that. And you had an opportunity to see a little bit of me in that cafeteria for 17 minutes and making references to TJ Tahid ascending to the World Cup of Soccer in Jakarta. Because that's the word that I planted and you were there that day and I got him to anchor the word freedom and not just to anchor it into him. When he stepped onto that pitch and he said the word freedom because I got him to activate on our one-on-one call and he felt that in his physiology, he can walk into any environment now. 
and he can change his physiology and change his confidence. And we both know there's a twin brother to performance and it's called confidence. And if you can increase an athlete's confidence and self-talk is probably one of the most powerful tools that I think a lot of kids and people, period, because we have a tendency because of the way our brain works, we're very negative. We're very pessimistic. We're living in a primitive, primitive neurons from 15,000 years ago. We're not being hunted by saber-toothed tigers anymore. Everything's a perceived threat, but it's not. Make sure you have beautiful talk. Speak nicely to yourself. It may sound obnoxious to the people here. They'd be thinking like, what are you talking about? Why are you so positive? It doesn't matter because when you change all of that, we know what happens to the physiology. You release all those beautiful feel-good hormones, and then all of a sudden you're locked and loaded and you're ready to go. Yeah, you know, I think all those things are super important. You, if you change your physiology, you're going to be able to, and change your self-talk, that's going to change your self-confidence, and that's what's going to allow you to achieve an outcome. And one of my mentors uh, said to me many, many years ago that the first step to uh, achieving big outcomes is commitment. You got to have a commitment that you're going to do this. The second step is uh, coaching. You got to have a fantastic coach, uh, you know, a coach that knows what they're what they're doing. Right. And the third is accountability to take action. Right. Um, and that's super, super important. You have those three in place commitment plus coaching plus accountability equals uh big outcomes hmm. and that's where it's at as far as i'm concerned yeah i couldn't agree more couldn't agree more no it's 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 good stuff so so jake you said you had 200 metric points to measure athletics performance to measure an athlete's performance, excuse me. So let's get into, and we're not going to go into 200, but let's get into <laughs> a few that are important beyond self-talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one that's really significant is mental preparation. Mental preparation is, you know, the, the embodiment, because you know better than anybody, Nikki, you know, would you, would you like to be, you know, a warrior in a garden or a gardener in a war. And when you think about the likes of a Mike Tyson with custom auto, and I will use metaphors and examples of boxing because boxing is very near and dear to me because you don't play boxing. Blocks, boxing is the ultimate metaphor for life. It's a struggle from beginning to end. And more these kids are trying to aspire. You're a CEO. You're a, you're a neurovascular brain surgeon that works at the Mayo Clinic saving pediatric kids' lives. The bottom line is imagine the mental preparation that is required going into those theaters of performance. And what is what is mental preparation? Well, when you think about it, you know the terms, you see it, you practice it probably yourself every day, is the ritualizations, you know, your night before routine and being very systematic about your night before routine. I've done so much work with so many kids and I actually get them to write down what's your night before routine, a major competition. And let's say the kid, I ask him, how many games do you have in the year? And they'll go, I have 60, 60 matches. I said, well, during the course of the year, you have to have 60 set nights of a ritualized routine for two hours before you go to bed. You choose what time you go to bed, 10 o'clock, reverse engineer it back down to eight into 15 minute time blocks. And then what are you going to build in there? And I asked the kids, what do you do? Most kids aren't even aware 
But then when they write down what they are actually doing, and some kids will say, like, I watch Netflix. Well, you're going to play at a provincial or national level or a selection camp like your son when he came in to the combine here in Ottawa. The night before routine, you get to do a lot of tools. We talked about one earlier. Nikki, we get to talk about self-talk. You know, you get to implement strategies, you know, in the concept of visualization, which we know it's unequivocal. The research has been done. There's enough research on the brain now that it's not even a conversation for a kid to actually go. And what is visualization? It's a very powerful asset and tool that kids can implement. And so the the night before routine and all of the building blocks, whether it's visualization, mental rehearsal, your journaling, listening to some music, doing some mobility work. All of those things are absolutely foundational stones and very, very uh, powerful. And then I build things for and help the athletes build them themselves. I don't build them because they already do them, especially high performing people. They're just sometimes not consciously aware that they're doing them. And we get them to implement night before routine, morning of routine. What's your routine when you're actually entering the arena of competition? That's going to require an entire different focus than the night before routine and in the morning. Now you're walking into the competitive field. And then imagine being in your stall and what is your routine there? And then when you're going onto the pitch and you're walking onto the field, like I did with TJ Taheed, giving him the concept of freedom and standing there at the national anthem, what's your first five minutes of competition look like? What are your number one and number two and number three objectives? Quick feet, 100% compete level, battle one-on-one, whatever it is to the individual specific to their pursuit. I think that's pretty much, uh, in a nutshell, one of the metrics that I think is vitally important. And I think it's nothing will ever, ever, like um, I think it was um, Marty Schottenheimer, famous coach from the Kansas City Chiefs. About 20 years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs won six consecutive games in the final two minutes. And Marty Schottenheimer was interviewed, much like I'm being interviewed today. And the guy asked him, Marty, awful lucky team, this Kansas City Chiefs. And he looked at the reporter, he goes, do you know what the definition of lucky is? And obviously the reporter couldn't reply. He goes, the definition of lucky is where preparation meets opportunity. And the best example is watch Mike Tyson's first 19 fights as a pro. He demolished the entire world because custom auto was the ultimate example. And my dad's from the custom auto era. So I was blessed to be able to be born into the power of preparation. And then I just bring it to kids like yourself and all of the other kids and anybody that's listening. The preparation before competition is something that cannot ever, ever be under, uh, undervalued or undermeasured. Yeah, I, um, it's very important. I think preparation is something that, uh, we all can benefit from, I can definitely benefit from doing more preparation. It's uh, no question that that's what it is. That's what it's all about, uh, brother. No question about it. You know, I, I spoke with um, a friend of mine, Mark McCoy. He was an Olympic champion for Canada in 1992 in the high hurdles. And I, um, I, I, I once uh, uh, asked him uh, a question. I said, so, so Mark, did you always have confidence, 100% confidence you were going to win when you uh, raced? He said, no, of course not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, how come? You're an Olympic champion. He said, well, I'm a human being too. And I said, well, what was the difference between when you had full confidence that you were going to win versus when you didn't? 
And he said, that's an easy answer. He said, um, you absolutely need to get that when I knew I was going to win, I had done the work. I was fully prepared. I cut no corners. And that's when I had full confidence that I was going to win. And whenever I had not done the work, whenever I had cut corners, I was not confident that I was going to win. And I'm like, wow, dude, that's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. A man who's ready to do the work is going to get the results. A man who's not ready to do the work is not going to get the results. That's the bottom line. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Very, like, so... So true. It goes back to the quote that I said, you know, you want to be a warrior in a garden or a gardener in a war. And that's exactly what McCoy and all of the legends do. Just look at the stories. There's so many books written. Look at the preparation that Kobe Bryant did. Like the, the like the read that. Look at this young phenon, Connor Bedard, plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's 18 years old. He has 11 goals in 21 games in the National Hockey League as an 18-year-old. He's going to potentially finish in the top 10 in goal scores as an 18-year-old. Watch the videos. It's remarkable. How many shots did that kid take in his backyard? There's a beautiful video done interviewing his neighbors, and that's the sound. And it actually became hypnotic to the neighbors because they knew that there was a kid in that backyard. And imagine it became contagious. And that's the beautiful thing about guys like Mark McCoy. And I just want to add on that, you know, when you think about some of the work of Dr. Albert Bandura, and you talk about the power of vicarious learning, which is a principle of self-efficacy that I work extensively with. And I've had the opportunity to correspond with the late, great Dr. Bandura, who just passed away in 2021 at 95 years old and blessed to have had him as a mentor. And imagine these young kids being able to use the likes of a Kobe Bryant, a Mark McCoy from the old school, all the way back to Muhammad Ali and the titans of business, the power of vicarious learning and modeling, because what that does, it gives us an accelerated learning curve so that it can kind of take away a little bit of the, the not the nuances, but there's some scar tissue that's going to be created, even if you're following the greats. And look at what Mark McCoy talked about. That preparation every single day equated to him being a 1992 Olympic gold medalist and a world champion. Can't, can't touch it. Can't touch a prepared athlete. You can't touch a prepared lawyer. You can't touch a prepared negotiator that's walking into a boardroom to negotiate a $50 million or $500 million deal because we know what that person has been doing for a week, potentially a month, might be a six-month prep depending on what type of theater these individuals play in, right? Yeah, I love that stuff. No, it's 100% accurate, 100% true. So, Jake, preparation self-talk these are all really 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 important so give us one more um i think a really good one is is motivation you know being motivated you know motivated and inspired and you know you when you think about an athlete or any individual like what is motivation you know, I'm not going to give the definition because I don't know what the definition of motivation is. I look at motivation as getting excited. And there's two sides, you know, to, to motivation. There's the extrinsic aspect of motivation, 
which a lot of people aspire, you know, like obviously when you're aspiring to become something significant as a young athlete or an executive, you know, you're potentially maybe looking at the status of your position. Maybe you're looking at your salary. Maybe you're looking at your beautiful house and car and all of those extrinsic or external things. But I like the opposite because I want my athletes, I have my athletes build vision boards, put four or five images on there of seeing their ideal life. Use that as a reference point because our brain loves targets. Our brain loves goals. That's how our brain works. That's all in the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It's tried, tested, and true, and it does work. I like to turn it around, uh, Nikki, and get my athletes to really become motivated intrinsically. And what I mean by that is when you look at being intrinsically motivated, it goes back to what you talked about with Mark McCoy. How about a Mike Tyson? How about a Kobe Bryant? Those guys were intrinsically motivated individuals. And what intrinsic motivation is for my athletes, and I get them, is that you're working on your self-refinement. You're working on the mastering of a skill set that you can go to your respective theater of performance and be able to execute that to your highest levels of talent and skill. You know, so the intrinsic aspect of motivation you know, is, is working on your skill set, your technical, your tactical. Obviously, when you intrinsically work, when you work out, imagine the feeling that you get when you know you're putting in the reps in the gym. It goes back to the other two things that we talked about earlier about preparation. So the intrinsically driven athlete is a very, very hard athlete to compete against because they are basically coming from literally, you know, when you think about the extrinsic motivation, the car that you bought last year with your $50 million signing bonus, you know, your silver ghost Rolls Royce or your Bugatti, that car is going to fade away because now you have 15 of them sitting in your garage. They don't really do anything for you anymore. They're nice show pieces. You can talk about them. You know, you can have 15 watches. You can have 15 houses. They all mean something for sure. They'll drive you to shoot for something. But when you turn it around and you get into the intrinsically driven, and I'm going to reference my dad as I look at this picture, that's a guy, that is a guy who worked on self-mastery. He worked on his intrinsic motivation to become the best version of himself. My dad's preparation as a fighter is legendary. And just to give you a little bit of context is imagine him running the railroad road, railroad tracks in my hometown. And I'd be a young four-year-old kid standing, three-year-old kid standing on the seats back in the seventies when you can get away with it, right? No seatbelts. My dad driving up over the railroad tracks, the CP tracks that go all the way out West. And my dad would stop in the middle of the double tracks and he'd give me a little nudge. He goes, Hey, little champ. Go see those train tracks and you can see them go, Nikki, for about a mile and a half to a bend. And my dad said, he goes, I used to come here every morning, five days a week, kid, for about 10 years with a pair of work boots on, run the tracks from four o'clock, three miles out, three miles back, doing a double tap, kid. He says, because a boxer, you got to get good on your feet, doing a double tap, one railway tie at a time. So you think about what's driving my father intrinsically to do that. There's nobody there watching him, and that's what Kobe is. That's what Conor Bedard is, and that's what the legendary Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali were, is intrinsically driven guys. And when an athlete can get into that level of being intrinsically motivated to work on his self-mastery and realize and identifying who he really is by pushing himself through his exercises, the intrinsic motivation is what's going to allow you to pull yourself when you literally 
and I'm speaking literally, when you literally get knocked out because life is going to knock you out. Maybe not physically, but you're going to get hit emotionally, spiritually, financially, and you have to, you're going to have to resort to the intrinsic things that you're doing, specifically working on oneself and working on your ideal performance state, which is basically being focused, uh, being effortless and working on automaticity. So Jake, um, this has been a great interview. And uh, if people are interested in getting a hold of you, finding out more about what you do, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I guess the best way, uh, Nikki, is just uh, hit me up on uh, Jason Teal on LinkedIn. And then um, I have a very small following on Instagram. I'm not a huge social media guy. Teal.jake. It was the only one that I can find because everybody had it, but LinkedIn would probably be potentially ideal. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, Nikki. Awesome, 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 awesome. Jake, brother, um, so rapid fire. What are your top three expert action steps? Your best three pieces of advice in bullet point form. Go. Stay focused, stay committed, and most importantly, love yourself. I like it. Stay focused, stay committed, and love yourself. Listener, Jake Teal. This man is the real deal. Go check him out. All of his information on how to get connected with him will be in the show notes. And if you got something valuable for yourself in this episode, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review. If there's a friend of yours that's down on himself and needs to hear this message, share this episode with him. Jake, man, thanks for coming on the show. Great to have you here, brother. Nikki, wonderful opportunity. I appreciate everything. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. It means a lot. Yeah, you bet, my man. You bet. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Jake Teal, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.